welcome to These Lads on Mental. My name is Gary. And I'm Neil. And our podcast is a lighthearted approach to normalise mental health. On today's show, we've got the amazing Mary Huang. She is the founder of the Indigo Project. Well, I believe that as I became a therapist and people came to sit on my couch with me, that we had this portal to the darkness in our lives and all the scary, painful things that we just didn't want to face. The parts of us that we're ashamed of, our anxieties. And, you know, if you think about that scary house on the corner of the street in your childhood, you know, you don't want to go there. But I think that there's this beauty when we kind of open the portal and step into this haunted house within ourselves and actually have an opportunity do a bit of a renovation and like clean this crap up that's in there and transform the place. Mary is an entrepreneur, she's an artist, and she's an author of the book, Darkness is Golden. She's also the head psychologist at her own practice at the Indigo Project. And we're so excited to have her on the show. But before we start today's show, please listen to our disclaimer. This show is just a group of opinions from two different guys and our guests. It's not to be treated as medical advice. If you do need advice, please reach out to someone like Lifeline. These Lads Are Mental recognizes the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation as the custodians and traditional owners of Sydney. We pay respect to their ancestors and elders, past and present, and value their continuing connection to lands, living culture, and integral contribution to the bright and inclusive future of this beautiful city that we call home. Gary, uh, we're back. We're back round four. Is this episode four? Not four, mate. We've lasted, we've lasted this long, thank God. <laughs> the only ones left. But this week, we actually have a pretty exciting one. I know you and me have put a little bit of extra effort into uh, this episode because we have the amazing Mary Huang from the Indigo Project. I mean, where do we start with this one, Gary? Like, she's just doing cool stuff left, right and centre, right? I, I mean, I, I'll be honest, and I said to you and I spoke to you about that, she made me want to go and see a psychologist. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. I mean, you can just, even without even looking at the psychological side, just the language used, it's just very, very mm. conversational. And it's exactly what we're trying to do in it. It's conversational. Like things, I think one of our courses is called Get Your, Get Your Shit Together. Mm. Um, our books about life's messiness. It's just easy comments and easy conversational things. And you read her backstory. But like, she was just, she's just a normal person as well. And she's got her own mental health story and how she got involved. And yeah, as you said, she's in what, Sydney Opera House presenting. She's done Facebook, Spotify, She's yeah. got lots of experiences. Well, well, normally we have a structure in our head and we have these questions and we tailor them to each people that we bring on the show. But with Mary, it was kind of like, I think we just need to chill the book out and, and just talk to her about all the cool stuff that she's doing. As you, and then like even looking at the Indigo Project and what they do, they do kind of psychology a little bit differently, which we'll dive into with Mary, no doubt. But just everything on the site is just so cool. Like, you know, I saw that you can do a quiz where you can pick what therapist you get. And then like, uh, the messaging is cool. And then like how they put it into simple language in terms, it feels very human. It doesn't feel like, usually I think the, the context, if you mention a psychologist someday or psych, psychology, they'll be like, mate, I'm not going to go and see a psychologist. And it sounds very, there's something wrong with you. You have to go and see it. That's like a last resort almost when you look at their Indigo Project site and even go on Mary's Instagram or see what she's doing in the media, you think, man, it's just a conversation with someone who knows what they're talking about. Yeah, it's a very contemporary approach to the subject, which is great. And as you mentioned there about going to see a psychologist, I think on their website, it actually says, 
if you're somebody who is a loved one of someone who is struggling, who you think might need to go to a psychologist, it act, they actually say, don't say, go see a psychologist, which is really interesting <laughs> as a kind of sales pitch. Don't tell them you want us, but do. Wow. <laughs> the way they frame it is there's some really amazing steps, which I'm sure we'll talk to Mary, but they talk about, you know, if you think someone needs help to say, hey, like maybe you should talk to someone. And that's such a nice, it seems so simple, but a nice way to frame the approach. Do you know what I mean? Aye, definitely. It's, as, as you said already, mate, it's just a nice, I think if anyone, if you are listening, once you finish the podcast, I'm sure when you listen to Mary, you'll think that was brilliant. You'll definitely go on the Indigo Project website. Within 10 seconds of being on the website, you're like, this is cool. This mm. is different. You can see how they do things differently. It catches your attention. It makes yeah. you want to learn more. It talks about everyday things, anxiety, relationships, stress, yeah. all that sort of thing, work-related things. But I think, as, as we've already alluded to, when she comes on, the conversation is going to be very interesting. I think she's got lots to go. I don't think an hour is going to be enough. She's already messed saying she has a hard stop at 11. She's actually going to, I think, see a client. So, yeah, right. we'll need uh, Gary on the clock. We'll need to be on, on the point today because you know how little O'Neill tends to uh, go and meandering. Uh, <laughs> we'll be solving world peace by the end of this, I think. And what be yourself? What's happening? Today is bit well, sorry, this week has been a bit of a mad week, uh, being honest. We had a lot going on at the Nimbus HQ. I suppose the clock is ticking when it comes to the baby. Countdown is on, 15th of October. So Hi, classmate, that's good. But um what about you? Ah oh, mate, like this is the usual. But obviously there's a few changes with COVID, so my industry with coaching, you're allowed to, to work with a few more people, a lot of planning in place. But we went down for a walk just before this morning. With the dog who's driving us bananas at the moment, Chucky. Oh my God, like he's just a little shit. His, his latest things is he's going for poos and wheeze in the house in the mornings now. And he just comes in at 5 a.m. now. I don't know if the impending baby is like doing so, or if he, he senses it. I don't know what's going on, but he's barking at our projector. He's just doing all kinds of stuff. But the cops were trying to, well, they were speaking to this group of ladies. I think there was five ladies. I don't know whether they end up finding them or whether they were checking whether they were vaccinated or not. He runs in the middle of them and starts trying to eat their snacks and no mask, trying to do it without looking dodgy. So yeah, we had a bit of heat on us this morning, but we got here unfined. <laughs> Actually, another story. Yeah, we went, to, I brought him to Lady Martin's thinking being a good dad, I'll treat him, you know, bring him to the dog beach down in Lady Martin's where I met a friend, Alex. I took him off the leash because it's a dog friendly beach. Within 30 seconds, he ran to a pram, which is Mecca for him because he knows it's snack central. He ate a croissant out of the pram. So I grabbed it out of his mouth, looked oh, around. Oh, you've got me eating croissants. <laughs> He's got good taste. <laughs> and there, and of course, I was like, look around to see if the owner could see me. And then there's this, I just see this guy coming towards me. I was like, oh, no, here we go. And let's just say he wasn't too happy. You know, he was like, oh, Put your dog in a leash, man. And I was like, oh, well. Like, is it American? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was good at accents. I can't do the Aussie accents. One of the hardest. Can give it a crack? Um, <laughs> hey, put your dog in a leash, man, in an Aussie accent. Hey, mate, put your dog in a leash, will you? <laughs> that was just your voice deeper. <laughs> I could do sir. I could say one thing like, "Hey, gown." Like that sounds a bit Australian, but I can't go further than that. It's a bit like I'm learning how to speak Spanish at the moment. Go on, give about Spanish. Say, put your dog in a leash in Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've done a lot of lessons, and I feel like I'm going far. But then someone goes, "Yeah, go on, say something in Spanish." I'm like, 
I was just for the listeners. I've been talking to Sully on the phone the last couple of days, and I noticed he was in, he's been pronouncing the C's like <laughs> he was talking about um, Valencia, the football team I playing. He's like, oh Valencia, and I was like, what did you say? So I'm doing Spanish lessons. I yeah. show off over on the phone already. He's got a bit of a Spanish accent. Well, V's in Spanish are pronounced like B, so it's actually Valencia. Um, that's that's, yeah. Spanish. that's better than your Australian accent. <laughs> no, I actually feel like, well, we actually have some kind of Spanish heritage because I don't look like our okay. st- standard Irish mate. So a lot of my mum's side, they're from the northwest of Ireland, a place called Donegal, uh, where he fashion ships. That was a Killy, that was a Killy Beggs accent, in case you're where Seamus Coleman is from, coincidentally. Really begs. But up there, they said, like, whenever I go up there, they always go, Oh, you're the black Irish. Because when the Spanish Armada invaded Britain in the, I think it was the 1500s, they were defeated and they fled up around the Irish coast and back down to Spain. So a lot of the cheeky sailors either docked on Irish soil or their, their ships were destroyed by the British. And so a lot of them tried to just like settle in Ireland. So the folklore of our family is like some Spanish sailor came along and, you know, Ran amok. Yeah, ran amok and <laughs> fell in love with a great, 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 great granny. And, you know, that's where I got my wand of a left foot. Oh, aye, aye, okay. <laughs> but it's funny with the Spanish, going back to that, like when, if you tell anyone that, oh, I'm learning Spanish. And then, or even if you say a line, then they just start going off and you're like, oh, shit. And they're like, open Pandora's box. I'm like, no, 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 I actually can't really speak Spanish. And then it's really embarrassing. Yeah, you try to pay for your coffees down in Bondi with potatoes yet? Well, this thing, one of the, uh, my local, like there's a Colombian girl who works there. So I made that mistake. I was like, hola, you know, okay, pasa, yeah, yeah, you know, I said that. And then she said, going off in like Spanish. And I was like, oh shit, I've done it again. <laughs> oh, I'm just kind of learning. And then, yeah, just a bit awkward, but. Um, moving on for that, mate. What's the crack we have chocolate this week? I actually have a homemade wonder this week. So as you know, in the last lockdown, I created an um, alter ego, which was a female uh, granny called Nana Nez. Things you do when you're in lockdown. I, mean, I have no idea what that story is, but anyway. Oh, well, maybe we'll, we'll have a whole episode for that. I think, you know, masculinity and gender and all I that. You've already had an episode, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I kind of blacked out for that one, but uh, she's a bit of a cult. She's got a bit of a cult following. Uh, but long story short, I do a lot of cooking in her character and I love to bake. My granny and my mom taught me how to bake. So, I mean, this isn't really a baking wonder, but. If anyone that's looking at a video, it's it. Tell your mum and your granny short here, mate. You've just talked about them stories out of bait and you pulled out a rice crispy cake. Yeah, rice <laughs> home economics in first year in school. Yeah, you thought I was going to do like, oh, I've created this homemade tiramisu made from <laughs> No, I made a rice crispy cake, which is, I don't, they don't call them that over here. They call them like rice bubbles in Australia. It's basically rice bubbles with chocolate in a, in a little <laughs> paper casing. But listen to this cracker. That sounds like your knee. <laughs> That's the sound of me whizzing down the left wing, trying to put a cross in. <laughs> I've got a, I've got a, a chocolate chip. No, I've no, I've got a Nutella cookie. My, my dad caught me, taught me how to cook. So my options were either toasting beans, or I went to the cafe down the corner and got a cookie. So fried eggs. <laughs> my dad just sticks beans with everything. <laughs> Mum's not in tonight, mate. You're not getting dinner. All right, okay. What's the crack? Oh, your mum left out some pork chops. Cool. What are we getting it with? Beans. <laughs> pork chops and beans. Decent, dad. Oh, the same thing, man. Just stick some beans in there. That'll fill you up. And a, a bread and butter. Slice of bread and butter. That'll be you. And is that homemade or did you buy it? What, the toast and beans? No, no, that's, 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 nah, I'm not making cookies, mate. I, I got it for a cafe around the corner. Or 
I don't have a cafe, not a, what do you call it? No, no, no. <laughs> you don't have, I don't have an alter ego, mate. I've got a microwave and an oven. <laughs> Man, you should do it. They're quite arrived. Everyone's doing it. Who, what, you know, who, hold on, who's everyone? Everyone's doing what? Having an alter ego? <laughs> Where are you hanging about that you're saying everyone's doing this? <laughs> Look, I'm going through my own personal journey, right? I'm just like going with the flow. I'm not letting any parameters get in the way. I'm just being me, just doing me, you know? Right, and enjoy yourself, mate. What are you drinking? Coffee drink? Spanish blend? I have uh, it's a soy it's actually a normal one today just a soy flat white the worst I've been is a decaf extra hot soy flat white in a takeaway cup that's what I used to order that's well that guy the whole like recyclable cup thing came in and then I realized I used to get that even when I was indoors at a cafe so you know when you're like sitting down inside I'd still ask for a takeaway cup because I just preferred the way I just preferred that feeling you know? another alter ego you've got <laughs> we're gonna have to change the rating for this podcast to mature mature audiences i think also i have my dog literally he's, he's out of frame but he's sitting at the kitchen table on his chair waiting for my snack there he goes i literally don't get a second mary mary how you doing good morning good morning hey. how are you guys yeah good how are you pretty good, good. pretty excited to chat and meet you guys ah, yeah. we've been looking at your stuff for the last week and well, very excited to chat to you. How's it been going with the start of this new podcast? Both Gary and I have our own little mental health stories, but we felt like that there just wasn't enough being done in terms of messaging. And we wanted to try and break down the stigma and tackle it from all angles, psychology, but also like sports stars, charities. We've spoken to a breathwork specialist already, Rory, who was fantastic. That's my dog. And he wants to be the star of the show, really. So yeah, we've got about we've got about ten or twelve guests already lined up, which is great. We've got a comedian, you know, because we you know we thought that was another avenue that would be good. But yeah, so we're trying to cover all the bases essentially and try to normalize it, try to make it as human as possible and bring down that barrier to entry for people. And like we're not trying to be the solution with all this. We're we're trying to be how we say it's like the first step for people to take to go down their own journey, whatever that may be. I really, um, I really love what you're doing because, you know, often this space can be like filled with a lot of women and oh. it's like so nice to like have like two guys on a podcast and like doing this work. And obviously you guys are probably talking about your own journeys, you know, mm. kind of spliced between other people's stories. So it's nice because, you know, sometimes, you know, it, this, this wellness can be like kind of a little bit dominated by historically guys are really bad at showing their emotions both of us have already spoken about it and like there's, there's so much to it between imposter syndrome and not letting your emotions in and like we're from i'm irish and gary scottish back there it's like if you're a guy it's like suppress those emotions drink alcohol kind of wash away your fears it was really interesting researching what you were doing with the indigo project going through your own journey and facing your fears which is it's a necessary thing I think people have to do and we understand that it's scary but when you start coming out the other end it's just really empowering. I know yeah it's um it's hard for people to like want to face it but there's wisdom that you gain from the experience it's just really painful and hard but you know like talking about it it, it definitely helps it gives people courage and especially you guys are out there you know and, and people often think people who are doing this type of stuff like that we have like amazing lives but we're probably ones that are going through the most ups and downs so that we can by normalizing getting it out there and like spreading those messages that like somebody will see it you know see inspiration by that and hopefully take action of it and we've said before on the show that the more 
not the negative, but the, let's say the con to mental health is that there's pathways actually quite muddied, right? You know, in terms of how you get better compared to if you, let's say, break a bone. But on the positive side, there's so many things you can do to help you, whether it's reading, yoga, mindfulness, you know, seeking professional help. There's a lot of great things. So you need to kind of first almost become familiar with being overwhelmed. And that's kind of like normal. But then when you go to seek help from that day forward, it hopefully will become easier. And then the more pros you have in your locker or your kit bag, the better equipped you are if you have a bad day, you know, especially if those around you understand that as well you know you're in a much better place to deal with your your issues than you would be if you just did it in silence totally it's like when you start this path it's like you can't really go back <laughs> <laughs> although sometimes it was like ignorance is bliss you're like i, oh, know. <laughs> I, I could go back to five years ago and i just you know didn't care. <laughs> i know right oh, i've said that before i'm like this awareness thing jesus now i'm just aware of everything aware of my anxiety so full on but there's a great quote around that even from a business perspective I, I read it recently where it was if you're if you've got your own business which both Gary and I do and yourself so we're all kind of business owners at the same time everyone goes through the same train of thought of I just want to fucking give up I'm, I'm fed up like I can't do this anymore but it's only when you get to that point when you're able to actually push through and that's when you'll really start to see the fruits of your labor totally I've had that moment many times in the last few years oh my gosh I literally had it like two months ago like in a really big way yeah this is it this is it it's time to let go <laughs> yeah the whole like overnight success thing the American dream all that kind of stuff in my opinion is just like absolute bullshit I know that because like I went into that mind frame with my business with Sue my wife like we're thinking like oh we just want to win in five years we want to be like x and it just doesn't work out like that life gets in the way 100%. so Mary like as I said already First and foremost, both of, both of us are very impressed with what you do. We, last week, I just was the first I'd heard the Indigo Project. And uh, within literally 30 seconds, I called Sully and I was like, hey, this is class. This is absolutely class. Just the way you guys have done it from a communication standpoint, visually, everything is tremendous. So I'm sure we'll get into that as we go on. But one thing that caught my eye, and we always ask all the guests is like, what mental health is to them. But one thing that caught my eye was in your you've got this online course, uh, Get Your Shit Together. That little phrase you've got in there, or a little sort of paragraph, I'll just read it out for anyone listening if they haven't gone. It's picture this, you wake up one morning, bursting with gratitude, your anxiety and stress levels are under control, and you have forgiven yourself and others for a past hurt. Your life is full of people who love and who you love and value. You're working a job and you're passionate about, and you even have time to give a little back to the world. This is not a crazy dream. This is your future. We want to help you get here. I think that's amazing. Is that what you see as an ideal situation for people in terms of mental health? Well, mental health, I think, is this lens that we wear like glasses and they colour the way that we see the world. And it's really important for us to understand like what glasses we're wearing, what colour are they, why are they coloured this way? Why do I see myself and my world in this way? So at the heart of mental health, personally for me, is your relationship with yourself and how that relationship then colors the way that you live, work, love, create everything. So people think it's just how you think and behave and feel, but where does that all actually come from? So it's not just, you know, people think mental health, it's about the head, it's about anxiety, it's about depression, it's about mental health disorder. But mental health is about living. 
you know, it's about accompanying ourselves through this incredible, beautiful, painful journey of life and realizing that if we have the courage to look within ourselves for answers and to look at our past and to integrate, you know, actually things that have happened to us as lessons rather than painful situations, then we can create a life that we want. And that is, that is the beauty of, of really taking focus on our mental health. Beautiful. Sheffield. Yeah. Cause I think one of the great things we picked up on when we researched you more, Mary, in the work that you're doing compared to let's say traditional psychology and like we both, you know, been to psychologists so we can, you know, speak from experience is, and you've already kind of touched on this in the early like stages of the episode around the analogies and how you, I suppose, compartmentalize or decompartmentalize mental health. So you mentioned there about a lens, which I think is a fantastic way of looking at it because straight away, I think, yeah, you can wear that lens, but you don't, it shouldn't define you. You can take that lens off if you need to. And one of the other ones that you mentioned and we've seen before is the haunted house analogy, um, which is a fantastic way to kind of just visualize you know, thoughts and things like that. Could you tell us how you got to the haunted house idea and like what that means? Well, I believe that as I became a therapist and people came to sit on my couch with me, that we had this portal to the darkness in our lives and all the scary, painful things that we just didn't want to face. The parts of us that we're ashamed of, our anxieties, the moments in our lives that we just rather forget. And, you know, if you think about, you know, that scary house on the corner of the street in your childhood, you know, you don't want to go there. But I think that there's this beauty when we kind of open the portal and step into this haunted house within ourselves and actually have an opportunity to do a bit of a renovation and like clean this crap up that's in there and transform the place because, we're endlessly you know the thing about being a therapist is that you find out that we are incredible like powerful beings that have the ability to find different perspectives in life that we may see ourselves initially as maybe this broken challenged can't find love can't not worthy of love not good enough person but we have so many different voices within us, so many different identities that we can wear. And the rooms of the haunted house kind of represent different parts of us. And we go in and we can meet different parts like our emotions and realize that our emotions are actually here to help us. Yes, they're scary and they're painful and we don't want to feel them. But when we do feel them, we develop, for example, self-compassion because when we accept our emotions, we're essentially accepting ourselves and then we can go into different rooms and we can oh meeting the inner critic gosh who wants to meet the inner critic but then we meet the inner critic and you have a chat to them you realize hey this inner critic is just trying to protect me from being exposed being hurt again being vulnerable and you know there's so many rooms in in the house that we can go in and transform we can transform our relationships where we feel like we've not been good at it but setting boundaries is actually really healthy, really important, actually leads to healthier relationships. So 
I think the whole kind of transformation allows us to meet something that I call like this wise self within us. And it's this part of us that sort of commands space at the head of a ballroom table or, you know, a boardroom table at work. And it listens to all the different parts of us, like the inner child, the inner critic, the inner saboteur, all these parts of us that we rather not face and just sees them with love and compassion. And we all actually have that part of us within us. And it's just beautiful to actually help people on that journey to recognize that the things that have happened to them actually have helped them to grow and transform. And there's a lot of beautiful science around post-traumatic growth that when we consciously face difficult things that have happened to us and parts of us that we rather not face, that we change, we transform, we become better people, we shift our view, that lens that we wear into the world. And is that how you see the role of psychology? And maybe you might even just describe it in your eyes, because maybe there's listeners out there who have not had experience with psychology. And for most people going down that mental health journey, it's like, where do I start? So if we were to take psychology, like what in your own words, how would you describe what it is that you do? How long do we have? (laughs) Um, You know, psychology for me is like, it's just like a label that I think that I've just happened to find myself in, in this life. I'm a psychologist, but, you know, psychology is the study of human behavior, how we think and feel. But I think that what I do is, and what really works and helps people on their mental health journey is so broad. It is, I'm, wouldn't be the person that I am if I didn't have my spiritual practices, if I didn't study under monks and shamans and explore psychedelics and, you know, just get myself into a lot of trouble growing up, you know, life experience. That's really, really, really important because there's only so much that you can learn from a textbook and from videos and all that sort of thing. I think psychology, yeah, you know, personally to me it is it is the study of life yeah there's more to it than just reading about it I think we really have to find ways into the body because it's not just about the mind so believing that that we're embodied people that how we feel and actually our body is not disconnected from our mental health so people on my journey that have been helpful have also been acupuncturists Chinese medicine practitioners, you know, all sorts of things, sunlight, go to the beach. There's, it's just so much more than I think this kind of very rigid science is. Like we, we're absolutely scientists within ourselves. And, you know, I really have a lot of respect for Buddhist philosophy that encourages you to understand whether the truths of life that may be fed to you are actually real from you, from your own internal experience and truly getting to understand yourself through introspection. And do you think like what leads people towards psychology? Like, is there a pattern in that journey of your own discovery? As you've mentioned, it, does it come early in that pattern is it come later is there any kind of milestones you see people hit before they go okay maybe I should go out and you know seek that additional help often you know us human creatures 
wait until everything blows up before we seek help and like you know I'm not going to deny that there's like been plenty of times when I've reached out to my therapist when like shit has basically hit the fan and like my life is like crumbling down around me and I'm like help me now (laughs) and then I think over the years like I've been you know in in and out of therapy for 10 years and and the last time I had that huge help me I'm in a breakdown mode I just made a decision that I wasn't going to you know just go when things were falling apart I was going to commit to this relationship and to take the journey of actually seeking that regular care and I've shifted you know a lot of the philosophy around indigo to to represent you know coming to see us even when things are good you know rain hail shine some people come yes when things are bad, but then to be able to maintain that as self-care, you know, maybe once a month or every six weeks, just so that someone is along you with, you know, your journey. And then when things get a little bit more difficult, then you can kind of increase the regularity of your sessions. So people, (laughs) yeah, they come when, when, when things aren't amazing, but that's, you know, that's, that's our avoidance of pain. That's, this is a human tendency. We cannot absolutely help that but with education we definitely can do a bit more preventative work where people are coming in saying you know what I'm changing my job I'm thinking about changing my life I'm in a transition finding difficulties in my relationships I I'm struggling with my emotions and and these are really super common reasons why people come to therapy it's not because they have diagnosable disorders like at Indigo you know we really have shifted the perception of coming to see a psychologist uh, only if you have this you know some severe diagnosis or or disorder it's just you know it's two people talking about life and really connecting and it's a beautiful thing when you're working with a professional who's like not trying to sway you like your best friend or like you know giving like like your mom like trying to give you advice on stuff it's like completely different so you know it's it's kind of cool just to have that 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 person for life that's what I was going to lead on to in terms of the Indigo project because I think when people tend to think of psychology you think you're going to go on some sort of medical website almost and be a bit like oh this is a bit daunting everything's already fell apart I need this is my last resort a psychologist but again like I've already mentioned when you go on the Indigo project website literally instantly you don't even know that is a psychologist's website or a group of psychologists website. So what do you think, or how do you do things differently when they go project as opposed to the traditional term of psychology? Well, thank you very much for noticing our website because when I was seeking help 10 years ago, you know, at the beginning of my career, um, obviously couldn't see myself. So I had to look for a psychologist and it was just like, just dire out there in terms of like people's websites are like oh god I can't see any of these people if that's what their branding looks like so I was like okay there's obviously a need for really approachable services that help people just like us feel comfortable about going into this pretty confronting uh, situation where you're like spilling the beans on your life to a complete stranger so you know I think I used a lot of my personal experience with deciding how I would brand the company. And luckily I had a lot of friends in the creative industry and, you know, I worked with a lot of musicians. So it had to appeal to people 
from the arts, you know, and you know, I think when it appeals to the arts, it kind of appeals to everyone. Like it, it's got to be beautiful and interesting and captivating and not make you feel like something's wrong with you. Like this is just life stuff. Like it's okay to like fall apart a little bit. It's actually, you know, I've, I've, I've just been so proud of the community at Indigo when they're when I say, oh, hey, you know, like I, I'm involved in the Indigo project and people say, oh my gosh, my friend goes there or like I've been there or I've been to a workshop and people are actually really proud to be associated with an organization that like, you know, makes vulnerability okay and makes this journey through life okay. So it comes down to languaging. It comes down to vulnerability, like my willingness to talk about my own journey, I think, because people often think, psychologists and, and therapists have you know perfect lives and they have all the tools and techniques but I think just being very open about my journey has also helped people to realize that it's like it's just definitely okay to be um, messy in life and I'm an extremely like messy person so <laughs> yeah, we, we've spoken about that before about how hopefully in conversation it will become normal. And I think what you're doing is already doing that. And hopefully at some point in the future, we'll all just be able to talk about it like as if it's ain't no thing. Um, oh, look at you, gangster. <laughs> ain't no thing. <laughs> Tug life. But one of the things that's amazing about your site, and like, yeah, when you land on, like Gary said, it feels like you're almost on this like really uber cool tech company. It's the, the UX is amazing. And there's so many great things you can sink your teeth into straight away. Well, one of the things that definitely caught my eye was the pick your therapist like quiz. I was like, this is just game changing. I can, you know, I was thinking of like a dating app. And End like, of a psychologist, brilliant. Super. <laughs> yeah. But talk us through that. Like, I think that is just phenomenal advancement in, in the normalization of it. But yeah, tell us about that part. Well, you know, if you're going to choose someone for your journey through life, whether that's a life partner or a therapist, you kind of want to have a bit of a say, like on who's going to be, you know, on the other side of this receiving end of all your like stuff so it's cool to like you know involve people in the process like this is your bloody life like what do you want to do with it and who do you want to do it with and you know you don't just like go on dates with anyone you're kind of like well you know this person's got perhaps sense of humor maybe they're going to be a bit creative and stuff so I think we like kind of used a bit of humor to play off on this kind of perfect match sort of scenario and that's just how people roll these days they want to have choice and they want to be involved in participate in their mental health they don't just want to call up some like EAP line and just like get whoever you know Tom Dick or Harry that's like on the other side of the phone you're just like maybe I want to talk to someone my age maybe I want to talk to someone who's a parent maybe I want to talk to someone who's also a creative and because it just means that they might be able to relate to me better and yeah. I think yeah, it's, it's, yeah. you're, dead, you're dead right when it comes to the services because sometimes like even if you think of a doctor sometimes you go to a doctor about a particular thing especially as a guy and sometimes gender can play a part where you kind of go well it's probably best for this you know thing that I go see a guy whereas for other things you don't mind and I think that's probably the same with psychology right and the thing I love as well, what you, you have on your side is that if it doesn't work after, let's say, one or two meetings that you can change, which is brilliant as well, because I've actually heard people say, oh, I went to see a psychologist or I went to see somebody 
it was terrible. And then that puts, the, so it's kind of like one step forward, five steps back. And then they're even more guarded about going to see someone in the future. Absolutely. I mean, like if you've had like a dodgy meal at a place, you're probably not going to go back. But if you're like, hey, I had a dodgy meal and they're like, this is like, you know, totally get it. It was just not to your suiting. And that's cool. Maybe you ordered the wrong thing, but come back next meals on us. Like, you know, you'd be like, sweet. Who doesn't want a free meal? I don't know. Maybe if you're not like sick from it, but maybe you just like didn't enjoy it that much. You know, it was just wasn't your vibe. <laughs> speaking about your um well one thing of course you need to speak about is you're an author. You've wrote a book which is an amazing achievement. So well done. So we bought the book last week reading through that about I'm about halfway through the book so brilliant definitely keep my attention the whole way through it's amazing one thing I did open it and within 10 seconds I thought I cannot believe I need to scan a QR code after <laughs> I thought I need to check in to read my book now what is happening she stitched me right up but then I realized it's actually an audio experience something like that superb which again speaking about being progressive and changing the sort of perceptional psychology to open a book and again, I don't mind reading it with psychology, I quite like it, um, people with uh, behaviour, but then I looked, I thought, an audio experience? Here we go, where's the headphones? Brilliant. And then that was it straight away, like what a different start to a book, amazing little touch. So obviously your book, Darkness is Golden, please tell us about it. Well, Darkness is Golden, like what we were talking about earlier, is that journey into the haunted house within ourselves. And I think it's like an opportunity for people to go through therapy without having to get into the therapy room. So I feel like I wrote the book so that I could hold people's hands through this experience because you know, therapy is like a little bit daunting still. Like I've tried to make it as approachable as possible, but sometimes people are just like, nah, <laughs> you know, not, not yet. Like I might, might need to read a book first or something. And, you know, I just wanted to um, make people feel like they were with me and that I was talking directly to them and that they didn't just get these like Instagram slogans of like, love yourself, <laughs> others, like you can do this. Love, laugh, love. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just, it's like, I get it, but you know, we're so much more intricate and complex than that. And people need the how as well as the what. And the how can be, is, is a journey, you know, it's, it's a journey in, into the deepest parts of yourself. And I wanted to be able to just make it easy, as easy as possible for people to face those shadow parts of them. And then just like realize how incredible they are. So it goes from like basically everything that I've discovered and studied over the last 10 years from all different modalities, from psychology, psychotherapy, shaman, Buddhism, everything. I've tried to smash it into a book and give people an opportunity to embody the experiences through the audio experiences because, you know, it's one thing to say, become aware of your body and feel your feelings. Be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> how am I going to do that? And it's hard, right? Like if someone's like, feel your feelings, like, uh, you know, okay. I've been trying to feel my feelings for 10 years in therapy and like, I've been able to squeeze out a tear, but you know, and, and after a while you, you get there and you start feeling because you got to get in your body and music is 
music is magic music music is medicine and we've got to use these ancient beautiful sounds to to get to the core of who we are well we love how you kind of bring that eastern and western culture together because at the end of the day we're humans we're just the one race right and why not use everything that we have in our arsenal to deal with you know certain conditions and just one singular thing so i think that's great and that comes across definitely in all the work that you do we're talking about the indigo project there but you're you've done talks in the opera house which is fantastic you've been on abc you know your instagram is like a beacon of light you've got the book it's great to see you covering so many bases but speaking of books before maybe we move on to music which is going to be one of our favorite parts you mentioned that you've read you read a book i think it was in your 20s that changed your life could you talk us through that oh gosh the book was actually really cheesy. So I don't know like if I actually <laughs> said what the name of the book We was. love a bit of cheese on this oh show. Oh my God. <laughs> okay. So the book was like, um, it was... 10 Things I Hate About You. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it was something like, you can you can change your thoughts and, and then change your life. It, it was all, it was kind of like in this super, super like secret vein of things. Like the secret, like it's all about your thoughts and... Okay you know changing your thoughts then will change your life and stuff but because I had like zero awareness of my thoughts at the time and then when I started becoming aware of them I was like I am not nice to myself I am <laughs> such a bitch to myself I'm like no wonder my life is like not good <laughs> it was such a revelation to like understand that these thoughts that I were having were actually weren't real and or true and to start to understand where they actually came from so you know sometimes these things like just hit you like a lightning bolt out of nowhere and you realize gosh I have been so mean to myself and playing this broken record of like I'm not good enough I'm not good enough and then realizing oh okay maybe this is the reason why I'm in like all these unhealthy relationships and it's like it's me it's actually me (laughs) I'm not just having bad luck in these relationships. I'm actually, you know, part of this picture. Well, so you see when you're saying you're, you weren't nice to yourself, do you mean as in internally what you're saying? Or do you also put in that sort of bucket of maybe drinking drinking all the time and going out and doing things and not looking after your sleep and your health? Do you class that in the same thing? Totally. Well, I mean, you know, back at that time, you know, we were having a little joke about like thug time and gangster time, but I used to hang out with a lot of delinquents and I was a bit of a delinquent myself. So really, really rebellious as I grew up. And even though I came from a super conservative family, I lived this double life. And, you know, I had challenges growing up, which meant I couldn't really understand my emotions because you know traditionally like my family just didn't really talk about them so growing up you know in you know in I guess you know Asian culture it's like your emotions are they just make you seem weak so you just got to be pretty strong and good at your studies and become a doctor or something like make your family proud (laughs) (laughs) so I I, you know from pretty young like I started like experimenting with drugs and alcohol and you know kind of getting into a lot of risky situations and you know I think in my adulthood in my you know late 20s and 30s and something that I'm I realize now is that I kind of switched the drugs and alcohol for like working a lot and you guys probably know because you guys are entrepreneurs as well is like it's 
it's an addiction. Like there's never, <laughs> there's never an end point to businesses. It can always be better and stronger and grow more. And I think, yeah, I've, I've really seen how much I give and, and how much that's kind of related to my self-worth and, and how I validate myself. And I've had to strip a lot of that. I try to strip that identity away that what I do is somehow in relation to what I'm worth. And that's, that's being mean to myself too. It's like, you're not good enough unless you're like working like a crazy person and helping everyone that you can. That's the worst. That's the worst. That's probably, I think, as like running a business or doing anything, that mindset of like, say it's a, say you've been working most of the week, a normal week, and you get to the weekend and you've, you've got so much time in your hands and you've maybe watched a bit of TV, you've been on your phone, you went to walk, and you come home, you're thinking, I should be doing something productive. And if you don't, you start being like, <laughs> embarrassing. Get a grip of yourself, man. This has got to be better. And you start hating yourself. You're like, and, and, and people are like, mate, chill out. And do you, know the, do you know the best and worst thing Google that Gmail has ever invented is you can send scheduled emails. So if you're doing an email and I'm about to press send and it's 10.30 on a Thursday, you're like, okay, I better not send that. But then you can schedule it at 8 a.m. the next morning. So people just go, oh, Neil was up early today and productive. And I was like, no, actually, I was <laughs> <laughs> writing that email at 11 o'clock at night. I wish I had discovered that because like people are like, you are up late. them <laughs> 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 emails are like, oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think look you described that really well i like how you were saying that because drugs and drink and other things can become a, a sense of is escapism right you know i think i can certainly relate to that throughout my 20s as well and then you switch it on the other end of the spectrum where you become still addicted but to good things which is probably a better thing to do anyway but whether it's going to the gym or working out your diet or whatever it is you, your business particularly so it is interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, do you, if somebody has that kind of addictive personality, do you acknowledge that? Do you try to tweak that in the work that you do with psychology or is that okay? Is that normal to kind of have that? I actually think that we are um, like all have a little bit of an addictive personality because the way that our brain works is that you know, the more that we do something, the more that the brain will kind of, you know, the more that we do it. So I don't know if it's called addiction or whether it's just called well, you know, worn routes through the brain. It's just neuroplasticity and our ability to sometimes like if we don't do things differently, we just kind of keep doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit of a human tendency. We kind of get stuck in a rut and we kind of get stuck on certain pathways on the brain that give us kind of pleasure and dopamine like kind of like doing drugs but you know it's instead you get the high when you like finish this amazing email to someone that's pitched something <laughs> I don't know, like we just we're just so weird it's not, like we're, it's not like we're literally getting high but it's like something is happening within us because that's why we check our phones a hundred times a day or whatever it is like you, you think you're not addicted and then you look at how many times you check your phone you're like i'm so i'm bloody addicted to my phone and that can that can manifest in all different kinds of ways because sometimes i'm sure people are out there listening going yeah i got into cycling bought all the gear the helmet the bag cycled like crazy <laughs> and now it's sitting out in the shed yeah rollerblades you know there was i went through a watch phase where i was like never wore a watch before then all of a sudden i had five within about three weeks you know <laughs> obsessed you know we get we get obsessed and like you know 
The truth is, is that we are addicted to certain types of emotions and we are addicted also to not feeling certain types of emotions. We get addicted to relationships really easily. We're, we're really interesting characters and we all have tendencies that sometimes just don't actually serve us, but have maybe served us in the past when there's been some type of danger or some type of situation that where we've had to do certain things to protect ourselves. So we've, we're all, you know, nobody has, like even the Dalai Lama, he's got shit. You know, he's, he's, he ain't perfect. Nobody's perfect. Barack Obama. Loves Netflix. <laughs> Loves Netflix, Dalai Lama. Yeah. He's yeah. always late watching Netflix. I'll get them in a therapy session and they'll be like bawling within like. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of emotions, you've mentioned this in your work as well, around how emotions are good. A lot of people who maybe have mental health conditions often can block emotions. Could you talk us through just emotions and that kind of thread of thought? Do you see that a lot of people blocking it? And I know you've, you've said this in your work that it's good to let the emotions in, right? Totally. Well, I think the biggest little scientific experiment that I had being a therapist was just watching people tell me about their stories and people would like 95% of the time apologize for crying and would try to stop themselves from crying. They were like, it's almost like they didn't want to waste time crying in the therapy <laughs> room because it's like, I've like got to get my story out. So I cannot cry. And this is embarrassing for me to cry. And you know, that's 95% of people. That's, and so you imagine you're in a space where this is built for you to like do whatever cry. you want and cry and you don't and you can't give yourself permission to cry so how are you going to do it in real life so this that's the test that's my scientific experiment if you can't do it in the therapy room you're probably not going to be doing it out there in real life and what does that mean there's a lot of repressed emotions going on there's a lot of grief in people's lives that they haven't been able to feel and this is not grief like oh someone died and i haven't been able to feel sad about it this is like lost relationships like we've all had our hearts broken we've all loved someone that hasn't loved us back We've had disappointments with our jobs, with our careers, with dreams that we've had, you know, the pandemic at the moment. We can't go where we want to go. People haven't been able to have their weddings, can't see their families. There is like grief. Grief is a part of life. It's just the cycle of life and death in all things. We just don't really like sitting with the pain that comes with life. Does grief have a close connection to trauma? Because as you were mentioned there, you know, how past relationships sometimes if you were single and let's say you were rejected straight away you go back to oh, I was 15 on the schoolyard and that girl didn't like me and like you just start going into your own head and then you start projecting of that energy as you say going why am I getting all these relationships and that all starts spiraling is there a good connection there absolutely like when we think about grief that is unprocessed means that we are unable to to cycle through the full stress cycle or the full emotions that come with grief and so then, then another situation comes along and we get triggered. You know, we, we're, we're unable to, you know, express ourselves because we've inhibited our emotions before and it becomes a cycle. That's what we talk about when we're talking about habits or patterns that we have in our lives. And there is definitely a relationship between, you know, just unprocessed stuff and, you know, how then we act or don't act behave or don't act you know and feel in the future and thinking about breaking those patterns as you mentioned I know music is very close to your heart and you've you've actually labeled music as a medicine could you talk us through a little bit about that and 
what's your go-to type of music if you're having a bad day? Yeah. Well, if you think about it, we've been talking about how hard it is just to feel your feelings, but who hasn't driven down the road one time on a long road trip by yourself or something, some song comes on the radio, it's Adele or it's some like song and you just end up bawling your eyes out, you know, in the car or it's like, you know, you're having a bad day and you turn on some music and it's just freeing. Like it completely changes your whole mood. So sometimes we use music. I think we've been using it a little bit unconsciously because it's always on in the background. Spotify now, you can hear whatever you want, blah, blah, blah. You're not really paying full attention to it. But if we do, what we can do is we can use the science of what's called emo diversity. So emo diversity is like this huge long study by some by these Spanish researchers. And they basically found that people who feel a range of emotions, like all the ups and downs, all the things, have de have markers like de decreased depression. They don't go and see the doctor as much. They live these kind of fuller lives and their mental health is better. So it's not just about choosing the emotions we feel. So it's not always about like listening to happy music all the time, stuff that picks you up. It's, it's being able to use the music therapeutically so that if you actually are having a difficult day and someone's hurt you or you feel hurt or you feel disappointed or you just maybe got fired or whatever it has been rejected or ignored or just feel lonely or anxious, that you choose music that meets you where you need to be and Music like that for me is a lot of ambient music, you know, Neil's from or meditative music, Brian Eno, just kind of real emotional music that kind of gets to your heart and it's and it's different for everyone. Everyone knows, I think, the music that that just, you know, maybe jerks a little tear or two. <laughs> and then being able to kind of come out of those emotions and there's songs that are really empowering. And I've, I've kind of created a playlist in my book that people can use to help them sit with difficult emotions. And it's it's really important. Yeah, I like the way you also frame it that music, music doesn't judge. It's just, it's just there for you, no matter who you are, where you are, what form you're in, which is a really nice way of putting it. And doesn't also ask for permission when it asks you to feel it just like gets you real good. <laughs> Uh, what sort of obviously you've mentioned some music you listen to uh, from an emotional standpoint what sort of music do you like in general what's your go-to's in general like I guess I am like you know kind of a I am a bit of a moody person and I do have a, a you know I do feel a lot of challenging emotions because again being an entrepreneur a lot of disappointments <laughs> you know a lot of things that just like don't go your way a lot of putting out fires there's a lot of like anxiety and frustration in my life <laughs> you know you try to just manage people and lots of lots of clients and stuff so I I really have to find music that helps me to release my emotions because I do have historically have had challenge feeling sadness and pain but I do you know if I'm chilling like I do like music like Krungbin um, which is like this kind of more like cool kind of funky kind of music because I think funk town is like where my heart is like really at <laughs> so funk and soul nice it's, it's funny with music it's like my favorite band is joy division and i like trip hop 
another like, people go that's like really depressing stuff i suppose it kind of is but like it's really what it means to you right like that just is my way of almost letting go and getting in touch with those emotions that maybe you can't get to on a surface level but music takes you to those places well research says that um what you find relaxing is very individual like there's stuff that people a lot of people find relaxing but some people listen to metal and they find that relaxing so you know you just got to choose what floats your boat really so i'm pushing back onto uh, the indigo project website mary i think one other thing that caught my eye was there's a lot of practical stuff on there like without I mean, easy values, low-hanging fruits, you can get straight away. One thing that caught my eye, I get a lot, oh, I did used to get a lot of anxiety. Again, business standpoint, mostly just not being an imposter syndrome, et cetera, et cetera. But the little five, four, three, two, one that you had up there for the anxiety, could you maybe give, because people listening, we do like to try and give them, finish a the podcast, they've got at least one takeaway. They can, take, they can action pretty straightforward. And I think anxiety is a pretty common one. Could you maybe just mention or explain that five, four, three, two, one concept? I wish I remembered exactly what it was, but like I do know. Head <laughs> on to the website. But you know, it's techniques like this are, are about getting in touch with your senses. So you can name five things that you see in your environment. Yep. So you're actually really, really, really seeing. Maybe you can then listen for like four sounds that you can hear in your environment. Maybe there's three things that you can kind of touch. And then there's like two things that you might be able to smell. And maybe there's one thing that you can feel as a sensation within your body. So whatever it is, it's like whatever you need to do to ground through anxiety is all about being with what is actually really happening because anxiety just takes you into your mind. It takes you back into the past. I wish I could have done that. I should have done that. Why didn't I do that? You know, made a mistake basically and I need to fix it or it takes you into the future it's like I need to do this I haven't done this you know I need to plan this etc and very rarely is it in the present and if it is it's like I'm bored I'm tired I'm not having a great time this is really crap so if we can get out of the judgments of the mind of things that aren't really happening and they're just what your brain is you know thinking but more into the reality of life it then kind of connects us back in to mindfulness and what is actually really there so, uh, there's, a, there's a worksheet on the website there isn't there i'm pretty sure there is yeah yeah, that's, yeah i mean excellent superb i love how you guys have said like worrying is normal and you can do great things despite your anxiety so i was going to ask with anxiety is it something that, well, in your opinion, do you just you cope with it and you have those tactics or is it something that you can get rid of entirely or what's your viewpoint there? I think anxiety is also a function of how society is and it's very difficult for me to, I think, eliminate anxiety from my life or anyone's life because we live in a very challenging world where there is um, sometimes scarcity for resources, there is challenges with people living situations and sometimes you know it's not very fair for all people so to say that we can eliminate the anxiety is to kind of eliminate the part of us that says that something actually isn't right and my anxiety sometimes helps me to realize that maybe I want to change the world to be a better place so that you know there is something larger that is affecting how I feel than just me and my little feelings, you know, inside myself. 
there's a level of anxiety that I think we can really, really work with and manage where potentially we've just run our adrenals and our system so hard through overworking, overstretching, overexertion, you know, uh, overextending, where we can learn how to bring that back down to a bit more equilibrium so that it's not just like really high energy fight or flight situation all the time. And that's when we can make structural changes in how we live, work and play. And maybe we're just in some super unhealthy relationships that are causing a lot of anxiety for us. And, you know, we need to say goodbye and like toss some people in the trash. You know, there's like lots of things that we can do to manage it, not just with mindfulness, but actually shifting our worlds a little bit. That's a lovely way to put it, that it almost has a role to play or it does have a purpose that can serve for good. Just one last one for me. There might be people who are listening who have a loved one, a family member, a friend who they feel might be suffering with anxiety. I know you've done some really good things through the Indigo Project. I was thinking of the Listen, Validate, Help scenario. Would you be able to talk us through that uh, system that you guys have to support those maybe around you that you think might be suffering? I think the most important thing when we are working with people that we feel maybe struggling is that we just check our own judgments and our own biases and also our own intentions to help and to be of assistance. So asking people and giving people an opportunity to participate in the conversation is really important because sometimes, you know, people don't want our help. <laughs> sometimes I remember as a teenager, I'm like, hell no, like I don't, I don't want to engage with, you know, and, and probably more people being like more concerned and like, trying to get me help actually made me resist and rebel even more so I think you know really being able to get on people's level and just like asking them if they need some support and help and the ability to listen is very powerful because I think we get into um, advice giving a lot as friends we think we know all the things and therapy really I think has taught me a lot that to be a really good listener and to really ask myself like what am I doing here as this person's therapist and making sure that my needs to help others is not getting in the way of this own person's journey and sometimes they just need to be in a place where they're just expressing really difficult things and I'm just there to hold space and to listen which is holding spaces not giving advice not necessarily trying to make it better, not trying to be a hero and, you know, not taking it all on as if like, this is the thing that you need to carry. So you think as a therapist, if I carried every single one of my clients stuff, I'd be burnt out when some therapists have that issue. So when we're thinking about our friends, we've just, we've got to slow it down a little bit and, and just really listen and ask for their consent to be a part of that, that discussion. It's good. Good advice. Right. Thank uh, you. Last thing, really, is we just have three quick questions for you, Mary. Nothing crazy. So basically, just one word answers or quick answer. Thirty seconds. Oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> I'm, I'm down, mate. You know. <laughs> uh, uh, so, out of ten, where do you think we currently are um, as a world in terms of mental health? Six and a half. Six and a half. It's the first of the decimal point in there. Decent. Where are you currently with your own mental health out of ten? I was at like a three two months ago and I'm probably at a seven and a half now. Okay, nice. Amazing. 
And if you could recommend to people just one thing that they can do regularly that will have a positive impact on their mental health, what would it be? Turn on some funky music and have it dance. Superb, love that. <laughs> one question, after this podcast, where's your mental health? Has it gone up or gone down? <laughs> <laughs> well, whatever has happened to it, I've got a, my own therapy session, so it's only going to go up. <laughs> no, it's, been, it's been amazing. Thank you, guys. That's great. Yeah, just maybe to wrap for anyone that's listening, you know, like as Gary and I have said, like there's so many amazing tools. We haven't even touched on all of them. There's another anxiety where you can call it out. There's breathing techniques and inhaling and exhaling in the moment if you're, if you're, you know, feeling something. But you might just be able to tell us or the listeners more so, but how did I get in touch with the Indigo Project if somebody does want to reach out to you guys? Absolutely. Just like drop us an email, hello at theindigoproject.com.au, just jump on our website, indigoproject.com.au, or just like message us on, on Instagram, you know, say hi, follow our socials and, and maybe just get a sense of like who we are and, and what we believe in. Awesome. And also buy the book, buy the book, Darkness is Golden, a guide to personal transformation and dealing with life's messiness. Again, I'm halfway through it. Superb. Audio experiences, get the headphones on. Brilliant, recommend. I've got uh, I've got it on ebook, but I'm assuming there's hard copies. I think there is. Big W, I think I've got it. I'm not sure who else has got it. Some good, yeah. some rubbish ones. We'll probably have yeah. it. Yeah, well. people can just order it from Booktopia as well. Or um, if people are Audible listeners, it's actually free on Audible. Oh, there you go. Oh, nice. Uh, how does that work with the audio experiences? It just gets it's my voice, and then it just seamlessly goes into an. Ah, brilliant. That's even better. So you can listen to it on the go if you're in the car on your commute with the kids. Yeah. <laughs> and what about your instagram mary because that is that was a real big inspiration for gary and i when we saw i mean there's videos there's affirmations all kinds of everything on your own personal instagram account yep that's mary hoang indigo yeah i'm kind of made a commitment to just be really honest on my page and it doesn't mean that i post i definitely don't post every day because I'll, I'll just be unbearable for myself <laughs> let alone the people who have to listen to my, my daily emotions but i think you know it's just real it's like a little bit inside my head fantastic thank you very much for your time mary absolutely amazing stuff and sully anything else to add buddy no, I think that we packed a lot into that hour. We could have done this over maybe a week, I would say. There's so <laughs> much good stuff. But yeah, thank you for your time and um, have a lovely weekend. Perfect. Thanks, guys. Yeah, good luck with all of the rest of the podcast. And it sounds like you guys got something good going on. Oh, thanks. <laughs> we actually don't get to catch up when, you know, all this. All this nonsense to end, so. Yeah, I'll send you guys some, like, um, tickets to our Listen Up, like, kind of streaming. Yeah, that'd be brilliant. I've seen that in class. Go on oh, a bit of a music journey with us. Yeah, I was actually, I saw your four-week anxiety course. I was like, oh my God, I really want to do that. So <laughs> you'll probably see our faces in this. <laughs> <laughs> Number one Good, <laughs> Good to see you guys. Bye. Don't forget to follow us on all the social media channels, including Instagram and Twitter, at These Lands Are Mental. And if you do have a topic or a guest or subject that you want us to talk about, please do get in touch and send in your suggestions. Thanks for joining us on today's show. As mentioned at the beginning, if you are struggling with mental health, please do seek further assistance. Here's who you can get support from. Lifeline, Beyond Blue, Fitzier, and the Black Dog Institute.